Welcome to the Bayside Church Weekly Message audio podcast, Frankston. Morning. There's plenty going on, isn't there? The year is winding up. Get ready to be busy. <laughs> After a break, we can't let you stay, you know, relaxed for too long. We need to get you busy. Hey, I'm looking forward to this morning and preaching God's Word. Uh, if you'd like message notes, I don't have any, unfortunately. That's the fruit of a closed office over summer. In fact, I got a call uh, in December and uh, Jill from the church office said, Stuart, what's the title for your message? I said, am I preaching? She said, yes, in January. I said, I haven't even seen the January roster yet. So, uh, so she got advanced warning on what was coming up. I then, of course, texted Pastor Rob and said, hey, am I preaching in January? He said, yes, you are on this day. So we don't have message notes because the office has been closed, but if you do have a pen and a piece of paper, then, uh, then write away to your heart's content and uh, take all the notes that you would like to take. Uh, this morning, I want to talk on a topic that I'd really like us to keep front of mind for 2014. It's easy to let it drift off to the side, uh, but it's something that God encourages us to be actively seeking. In fact, he asks us to be hungry for it and to crave for it. So uh, I'll, I'll let you know what that's going to be in just a few moments. We're going to open in prayer, so why don't we bow our heads and pray this morning. Father God, I just want to thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to share your word this morning. I pray that you'd help me say what you would like to say. I pray you'd help all of us to hear what you'd have us to hear. And Father, I pray as a result of this morning, there'd be fruit in each of our lives. Your kingdom would grow, your name would be glorified, and we would be blessed as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, Darren, uh, if you have that picture, can you put that up on the screen for me this morning, please? Now, that right there is evidence that God exists. Because for those of you that know Pastor Rob's handyman abilities... Mine are sort of right up there with his. And to get that thing up there on that wall is a miraculous divine intervention. (laughs) And uh, it took a little bit of planning, a little bit of thinking, a little bit of reworking, a little bit of replanning. But we finally got there. And that's good. And this morning, uh, oh, now actually before I announce what I'm going to talk about, let me grab my little box of tricks from over here. of really useful stuff when you're doing backboards. Here is a level. I figured out I needed that the second time I put it up. (laughs) They are really handy. Here's a paintbrush. When paintbrushes don't work, use a spray can. Much better. Spray can, beautiful. Still haven't figured out how to get that on the paintbrush yet. Can't seem to make the two of those work. Everyone needs one of these. These are handy. Measuring tape. What's the saying? Measure twice, make it once. Right? Don't make it twice because you've only measured once. Screwdrivers. They come in an assortment of colours. Green handle and yellow handle. You might even have one with red and black handles. They are very cool. Ha 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 ha! A drill. Anyone like dentists? They come with all sorts of bits and pieces. 
and of course that as well. So I tried to make this, uh, this backing board and I needed an assortment of tools to get the job done. And I want you this morning to turn to your neighbour and say, you are God's tradie. Right now, turn to the other side and say, you are God's tradie. Because the reality is that God has called us all to be kingdom builders, to build his church. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, uh, Jesus says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. And Paul says in Ephesians 4 and verse 12 that the gifts he's talking about are to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And this morning that's what I want to talk about uh, is God's toolbox, the spiritual gifts that God has given each one of us, God's toolbox. Now as you'll see from those tools that I showed you before, they all look different. And as I look around the room, I also see a lot of different people. And isn't that good that we're not all clones, that we are all different? And that means that God's grace will shine through us a little bit differently each time. So the sort of way that I might use, say, a Phillips head screwdriver compared to a flat screwdriver will be in different situations. God might use you in a particular situation instead of someone else because you're just the right shape for what's needed. So isn't that good? God's gifts are for each one of us and each one of us has a valid part to play in building God's house. So just like the Israelites of old, if you've read the Old Testament, sometimes, you know, when I've read the Old Testament, I skip past those, those passages where it goes into an incredible amount of detail about the design of the temple or the design of the tabernacle that Moses built. And there's chapter after chapter of, of intricate detail that God puts into designing a house. Now, in the same way, too, God has designed this house, this group of people. You are all God's house. You're living stones, the Bible says, in the temple of God. And God has organized you just to be right where you are. You know, he's gone into the same amount of detail as he did in designing the Old Testament temple as he has in designing the New Testament temple. And you're it. And you're in place right where God wants you to be. But to build the temple, we need tools. And so uh, there's a range of gifts that the Bible talks about. We're going to get into those in a little bit, uh, in a few moments' time, I should say, in a little bit more detail. But firstly, I just wanted to talk about what spiritual gifts are. Now, this is a huge topic, so I'm not going to cover it all here today. In fact, Pastor Rob and the Bayside teaching team uh, several years ago taught a series on the gifts of the Spirit. And if you want to go onto iTunes, you can look that up. Uh, Rob Buckingham, Bayside Church, uh, look through, the, through the, uh, the podcast, you'll see spiritual gifts there, there's about six episodes on spiritual gifts and you can get some really in-depth teaching on, uh, on the whole area of spiritual gifts. But today I just want to focus on something that uh, is for all of us every day and, uh, and hopefully during 2014. So spiritual gifts, the Bible des describes them in the Greek as charismata. And it's a combination of two words. The first word is charis, which is Greek, Greek for grace. So spiritual gifts are an operation of God's grace. They're a manifestation 
of his grace and his love for us. How many are there? Well, some say there's 27, some say there's 24, others say there's 21. Uh, I tend to go for 24 because I've, I've looked for the number of times that charismata appears when it's describing the gifts as an operation of God's grace, and there's 24 of those, and they in cover an incredible range of gifts. Some of these I'm not praying for. There's, uh, there's those who are called to be apostles. That sounds pretty good. And prophets. Some are pastors, evangelists, teachers, but it also goes to the gift of celibacy. I don't have that one as my three kids can testify. <laughs> and, uh, and martyrdom. I'm not praying for that one. The gift of martyrdom. But they are all manifestations of God's grace uh, as we read in the scriptures. So spiritual gifts. I think Paul might have had and the early disciples might have had the gift of martyrdom as Stephen also as they faced what lay ahead of them. So our spiritual gifts for today, some people say yes, some say no. Different denominations will teach different things. However, when we look at what the, uh, what the gifts are for, we can understand that they are for today. Some say that they died out with the apostles. Once the church was launched, they were no longer needed. And some say the gifts are for ministers and pastors only, those who are in full-time or vocational ministry. That's where the spiritual gifts reside. Others say that they're, they're relevant today for all Christians. Uh, some have said that the gift of tongues, our heavenly language, is from the devil. Uh, but we need to look through the passage of the scriptures and understand uh, what God is saying through that to understand that gifts are for today. There are three passages uh, in the Bible that talk about gifts in a bit of detail. We're going to look at one of those today. The first one is Ephesians chapter 4. If, uh, if you want to look at that in your own time, then you can go and read through Ephesians chapter 4. And it said that when Jesus ascended, he gave gifts to men. So he was departing, but that wasn't the end of his ministry because he uh, poured out his grace uh, and called people to be gifts to the community. And uh, in that case, the gift is the person. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 8, uh, also speaks about the motivational gifts. Uh, and that's talking about also vocational callings in many cases. Talking about a person's life will have certain hallmarks and certain giftings. And then there are those in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which we're going to look at today, which are not so much vocational callings, but the manifestations of God's presence. So this morning when we were praying uh, and in a time of worship, it's possible that the Holy Spirit spoke to some of you. The Holy Spirit might have put something on your heart about uh, something to pray for, someone to encourage. It's possible that God revealed something to you about your own life, gave you a word of knowledge on that. We're going to look at all of those gifts in just a moment. So Ephesians chapter 4, though, I do want to read uh, verses 12 and 13 because it does confirm that really uh, we're not in the age where we don't need the gifts yet. It says that the gifts are to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I haven't yet attained to the full measure of Christ. I'm still on the journey. I'm, I'm still in, in process. I'm a, I'm a work in progress. And so uh, uh, you might be in the same boat. If you're perfect, then you don't need the gifts operating in your life, but you might need to pray for someone else who does. Uh, and if, of course, we're not perfect, then we do need to still be built up in Christ until we reach that point of maturity. And so the gifts very much are for today in the church because God is still building. So we still need uh, tradies, and we still need tradies to be using the tools that God has given them to build God's house. 
So, as I've said, sometimes the person is the gift, other times they're a manifestation of God's presence, but they're not a sign of spiritual maturity. And I made this mistake very early on because when someone would come and they would be able to demonstrate the, you know, the, the spiritual gifts quite powerfully, I'd automatically think that they're in God, they must have it all together. And quite often it's the reverse. That's not necessarily true. Uh, they're not a sign of someone who's immature. They're not a sign of someone who's mature. They are just a demonstration of God's grace and a manifestation of his presence. So, Roman, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have your Bibles there, let's turn there today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Thank you, Sam. Isn't Sam great? I love Sam. You're awesome, man. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we'll read from verses 1 through to about 11 somewhere there. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Of course, he's talking to the Corinthian church here. And if any of you know the history of Corinth, it was a pretty rough place to be a Christian. Uh, the pagan culture was well and truly established, worshipping all sorts of foreign gods, sacrificing babies to Moloch and in the fire because they thought that would buy them divine favour. Aren't you glad we've stopped doing that? Amen. All the kids are especially. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You see, the operation of the gifts of the Spirit will always be consistent with the heart of God. They're always going to be in accordance with the Scripture. They're never going to lead someone astray. They're never going to lead people away from God, but to Him. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, I love that because it says that we all participate in the demonstration of the gifts. That's exciting because if you would love God to use you in some way, then guess what? You get a big tick from our Heavenly Father. That's not a big cross. It's not a no, you don't qualify. That's a yes because these gifts are given to all of us. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the, by the one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Now, often in my experience, the gifts of the Spirit don't necessarily depend on my spiritual um, position in God necessarily, but on the spiritual need of the community in which I'm, I'm hanging out with. So if I'm, if I'm rubbing shoulders with people who have some serious needs and they need God to move in their life, often I find that the gifts are in response to their hunger. Um, obviously, I, I'm aware of them. I've sought God for them. I've been released in the gifts and I, I recognize them when they show up in my life and I recognize when God wants me to share a word or pray for someone or believe him for something significant. But really, those things I, I, I have found operate in response to the hunger of the person that I'm with. That's why, 
you know, when, when we pray in a service, you know, if you're sort of half-hearted about something, you're probably not going to come forward. But if you're whole-hearted about something, you will. And those who take that effort to come forward, those who run the risk of being a little bit embarrassed about coming forward or coming forward and thinking, what will my neighbour think or what will my connect group leader think or what will such and such think, they're the ones that, that often draw on the power of God. And, and those gifts are released in their life. Uh, for those that, that approach a connect group leader or, some, or a friend and say, hey, can you pray for me? Often it's in those times that the gifts are manifested and the power of God is released. Not so much necessarily on my own spirituality, but on the need of the person. Obviously, I do need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, though, otherwise I'll miss that opportunity. Where do we get up to? All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So they're not something we can drum up ourselves but they are God-given and God-inspired and we need to uh, keep an eye out for them. So there's three, gift, uh, three rough categorizations of gifts here. There's the power gifts, there's the revelation gifts, and there's the vocal gifts. So those power gifts are the gift of faith, gifts of healing, and it's in the plural, it's gifts of healing, uh, and miracles. So how might they be different? Well, the gift of faith might not necessarily be related to someone's health and it might not necessarily result in something miraculous occurring. But the gift of faith is something that God plants deep within you to believe him for an outcome of some sort. And you continually lay hold of him for that. You know it's going to happen. You constantly pray and you know that when you pray you are shifting heaven and you are shifting things on earth. It's not the prayer that we pray where you pray and you think, I hope that works. Or wouldn't that be nice if that prayer came true? This is a faith that comes which is rock solid and which is unshakable. It's the sort of faith that comes, even though you can't see the answer, you know it's going to happen. That's a gift of faith. So someone might be uh, talking to you know, another person and in the course of that conversation, that person feels like they need to pray because they feel this faith rise up. They feel this stirring of God in their heart to pray for the person who's sharing their need. And you know that when you pray, God has released the resources of heaven to bring about the answer to that prayer. That's the gift of faith. Gifts of healing. Not miraculous. But once a prayer is said, things start to occur. A person's physical body changes. And in the process of time, healing comes. Uh, it might be the case where you pray for someone uh, one day and it's not for several days later that you see them healed but they are healed because your prayer was the catalyst for them being healed it wasn't medication it wasn't the natural process of the body which might not be able to get them to that place of health but it was your prayer for them that got them healed and that's a gift of healing in operation there and then the gift of miracles this is where Something happens that is beyond natural description. Something that wouldn't naturally happen occurs. It could be in the area of finance. It could be in the area of health. It could be in the area of a job. It could be in any one of a number of areas. But something miraculous happens that is not in the normal occurrence. Now, we as Christians do a disservice to miracles. I think sometimes we can call lots of things miracles that aren't miracles. Because there is a thing called random chance... There is a thing called natural process and things do happen 
by those things, you know, in those processes, by those means. Uh, and sometimes we're too quick to say something's a miracle. But you know in yourself, when the stirring of God occurs and when the Holy Spirit is present and when you sense him moving, that something miraculous can happen. Now, the amazing thing for this is that God wants all of us to be able to move in that. You know, in the Catholic Church, you've got to have two miracles to be a saint. God would want all of us to be saints because he wants all of us to be moving in the gift of miracles. It's a manifestation of God's power. I want you to turn to your neighbor. You know, you're going to get sick of this by the end of the day. <laughs> turn to your neighbor and say, you are a miracle worker. <laughs> right now, turn to your other neighbor and say it like you believe it. That's right, because in your hands and in your heart are miracles that God is waiting to pour out into the life of his people to help build this temple. And there are people in this congregation whose lives might not be changed and who might not be transformed into the image of Christ unless a miracle occurs or unless they're healed or unless there's a gift of faith released and operating for them. They might get stuck and stagnant. We all get bogged down by anchors in life sometimes and we can't seem to cut the mooring to get to where we need to go and these gifts can sometimes break that chain break that rope and enable us to sail out to where God would have us to move to the second group here are the revelation gifts words of knowledge words of wisdom the discerning of spirits so a word of knowledge can can be an incredibly powerful thing in the area of counseling or when you're giving advice to someone, or where someone's sharing a fairly persistent need in their life and they haven't seemed to be able to break free, sometimes God can reveal what that thing is that's holding them back. That's a word of knowledge. I might show it to you. Just put it in your heart. This is what it is, word of knowledge. And then you can share it with the person and they know then through perhaps self-awareness to deal with that issue or they know that that's something they need to receive prayer for. Word of wisdom sometimes... Uh, is also incredibly useful in the area of counselling, uh, pastoral care, where someone is facing a challenge and not knowing where to go or what to do, what course they should take, what action they should take. And a word of wisdom comes into play and just unlocks that thing for them and enables them to move forward with confidence and with faith in God. Discerning of spirits, incredibly useful for all of you who love to pray for things. You notice in the Gospels, when Jesus walked about the shores of Galilee or through the streets of Jerusalem. For some people, he cast demons out of. For others, he prayed for healing. He discerned what was going on in that person's life. He discerned what the affliction was. Is it a, a natural affliction of ill health or is it a spiritual affliction of demonic oppression? And when we're praying for people or situations, getting a discerning of spirits can be a really useful thing. We understand how to pray for a certain uh, area or a certain item or a certain situation and we can see the power of God unlocked through that because imagine if we're we're praying for someone to be set free and released from some sort of demonic oppression when really it's just a, a need of healing or vice versa the third area of gifts here that we see this morning are the vocal gifts the gift of tongues or our heavenly language the, the tongue sounds terrible doesn't it I mean when I, when I hear that phrase, I'm thinking of butcher shops, you know, trays with ox tongues and everything there. You know, it doesn't bring to mind a, a very good picture. 
I much prefer our heavenly language. That's nicer, isn't it? Our heavenly language. But our heavenly language is a supernatural gift by God. And uh, there's two ways that that manifests itself. One is in a public meeting, and the other way is in our personal prayer time. And we'll go through uh, both of those in just a moment. And then the final gift there, the interpretation of tongues and prophecy. So the interpretation of tongues. So if I was to uh, feel moved by the Holy Spirit to, to speak out in tongues, uh, as I almost did this morning actually, um, speak out in tongues in a service, that is not going to benefit anyone because none of you will know what I'm talking about. Right? You'll think, Stuart's gone mad. Gone completely mad. My wife already thinks that, and she knows that from good experience, but, but you will also then be in on the story that I am completely mad if I speak out in tongues. Unless, of course, there's someone here who can interpret that. Now, in the days of Pentecost, the disciples started speaking in their heavenly language. They didn't know what they were saying, and as it turned out, they were speaking in known languages. They were speaking in languages they hadn't learned, but people in the crowd could understand the languages they were speaking in. It would be like me in a service all of a sudden breaking out in German, and Sonia understanding German would be able to interpret that for everyone. Uh, it might be if I was to speak in my heavenly language and it was Italian, and someone who knows Italian could then interpret that for me. But then there are the other occasions where uh, it's not in an earthly language. It's in an unknown language, and God can give the interpretation for that as well. The Bible says that if I was to use tongues in a public setting like this, in a a service, uh, and it was interpreted, that would be the equivalent of prophecy, because there's a message that we can understand that is for our edification and for our building up and for our strengthening. And that's what prophecy is, a message from God intended to strengthen and build up and edify. That reminds me of a joke about two prophets and as they approached each other perhaps we could try this at church one prophet said to the other you're well how am i because they know what's going on but prophecy is always consistent with the word of god we'll never leave people astray uh, we'll never be contrary to scripture we'll always be consistent with god's word and the bible says actually that prophecy should be judged that we should weigh up prophecies and and, uh, and often in Scripture it refers to two or three witnesses establishing a thing, and, and that's the case in the area of prophetic words. If we were to share a prophecy with someone, let's say uh, I was a regular member of the congregation, and God stirred me up during a service with, a, with a, a prophetic message for someone, and I was to go to that person, the first thing you should do is go to your connect group leader or go to that person's connect group leader and say, hey, I've got a prophetic word for this person and I'd like to share it with them, and bring it undercover. Make it accountable. And then with that person's blessing, go to the person that, that God wants to, wants to bless with a word of encouragement and then share that. And then your connect group leader can confirm that uh, or, or, or speak into that if it needs clarification. Because when God gives us a word, often it means perfect sense to us, but it doesn't to anyone else. Because we know what God wants to say and sometimes our vocabulary and the way we think might not communicate that accurately. So we need to be undercover and that's how we do things here at Bayside. If you're a Connect Group leader, uh, you're welcome to come, tap me on the shoulder, grab the microphone at any stage if God has given you a word for the congregation and share that. Uh, if you're not a Connect Group leader or perhaps one of our other leaders here at church, then, then you should uh, perhaps come and share that with me or with your Connect Group leader and say, hey, I think I've got a word here for the church. Uh, this is what it's saying. This is what I believe God's saying to us this morning. Um, and can I share that? And then we'll go through the, the process of bringing edification. Because there's nothing worse than getting a dodgy message in church and then having to go and repair the damage. 
All right, so we want to do everything decently and in order, as the Bible says. We want to make sure that uh, it brings blessing to God's people. But I do want to speak about our heavenly language this morning because I, I, I sense sometimes that many of us have a dormant gift in our life that we're not using. We, uh, we, we need to be stirred up. We need to engage this gift because it is for our own blessing and for our own edification. And if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you'll, you'll see where Paul is talking to the church about how to correctly use uh, the gift of tongues, their heavenly language. They were getting up and doing all sorts of crazy things. They had no real understanding of what was going on. So can you imagine if I was to come in here this morning and start speaking in tongues instead of my sermon? Well, no one would benefit from that. You'd all be looking at me. And you'll watch about two minutes later or three minutes later thinking, is he going to finish? When can we go home? But as, as then obviously it's interpreted, then, uh, then the, the, the benefit would come. But the heavenly language in our personal prayer time is an incredibly powerful thing. It's a gift that God has for us and it's powerful for a number of reasons. The first thing is nobody understands it, not even the devil. You know, often when God moves in someone's life, the devil counterattacks to try and stop the fruitfulness of God being manifest. But when we speak, when we pray in our heavenly language, not even the devil understands what we're saying. And so we get one past him. Uh, he doesn't know how to respond to that. He just knows that God's going to be doing something. And then when it happens, we catch him off guard. Uh, the other thing is that it brings strength to us because our spirit is communing directly with God. It's not interfered with by our head. It's an incredible area of trust and faith. Have you ever spoken in tongues? Perhaps you remember the first time that it happened and you felt so foolish like I did because you're making all of these crazy sounds and you don't know what's going on. And it's a real matter of faith and trust that God is doing it. Uh, it's not the devil. It's not something else, but it's God who's speaking through you. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2 says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 4, just two verses on, says, Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. In other words, builds themselves up. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. That's Paul saying, I would like every one of you. I can say that this morning. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. If you don't already, you need to grab hold of your heavenly language. And 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18, Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So if Paul's thanking God for the gift of tongues in his own life, then it's something that we should be uh, inquiring about as well and hungry for. We should be seeking God. So Paul finishes off 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we read before and verse 31 with this phrase. He says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And they are obviously the gifts that are the right gifts for the right situation. He says to desire, to crave, to covet. It's the only coveting that the Bible says we can do. We need to pray for them. We need to cry out to God for them. We need to fast if we need to, to, to break through in the area of the supernatural. We need to be desperate for them. And can I challenge each one of us this year? Perhaps we, we made a commitment to soap last year. If you're not yet really engaging with your heavenly language, that incredible gift, then can I challenge you to try and at least uh, pray in your heavenly language every day for this year. Every day. Might only be for a minute. You know, if you're not that... In fact, I remember the first time that I, that I started branching out in this area, 
I, I would pray and it seemed like I'd been praying for ages and I'd look at my watch and it was only a minute later. Gone for a whole minute praying, praying in my heavenly language. And then as I did that, I started to get a little further, about three minutes. I got to three minutes. I thought, gee, I was really motoring then at three minutes. You know, it's going to change the world at three minutes. And then finally, uh, there was a breakthrough and I could continue on because I'd become fluent in my heavenly language. And then I found as I prayed longer and longer, I'd experienced the power of God being released in my life. Somewhere for me, for me, it'd be different for all of us. But for me, it was about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, somewhere around there, just praying in my heavenly language, worshipping in my heavenly language. I just sensed this incredible release of the power of God. And I was just so in tune with what God wanted to say. And so you might find that it takes you less time or more time. But can I encourage each one of us as God's people this year to really engage with our heavenly language over the coming 12 months, just to release the power of God in our life. And, and that's actually usually the starting point in the gifts of the Spirit. Often we find that when we are released in our heavenly language, it becomes so much easier to prophesy so much easier to share words of knowledge, so much easier to share words of wisdom, so much easier to pray for people because you've had an encounter with God in your prayer closet and you know who God is in a greater way. So can I encourage you this morning to do that? Yeah. One last time, why don't you turn to one another and say, you are God's tradie. Yeah, and now the other person on the other side and with some conviction this morning. And these gifts, these nine gifts, some of the gifts that uh, occur in the other passages of the Bible, they are vocational callings. They are just who you are. You are a teacher, you are an apostle, you are a prophet. They are gifts that God plants in you and, and they become the focus of your life. But these spiritual gifts here, these are for everyone every day. These are manifestations of God's presence and God's spirit. And they can happen in the shopping centre. They can happen while you're on the phone to a friend. They can happen while you're, while you're just uh, in normal family life. And God can provide you with a manifestation of his power to help unlock people's lives, to help them break through and to build his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for 2014 and what lies ahead. And I know that you haven't called us to live natural lives, Lord God, but you've called us to live supernatural lives. Lives that are above and beyond what is naturally possible. So, Father, we know that during the coming year, we are going to need the gifts of your spirit, the manifestations of your power to help us lead that supernatural life. We're going to need a word of wisdom. We're going to need your word of knowledge. We're going to need someone sharing a prophetic word with us to lift us up and encourage us. We're going to need demonstrations of your power through healing and through miracles, through that supernatural, tenacious faith that we can have as a gift from your Holy Spirit. Lord God, we're going to need to use our heavenly language, and as we do, we'll, we'll prepare the road ahead. We're going to need people to interpret when we need interpretation. So, Father God, we commit ourselves to you as your people. We declare this morning, Lord, and although we say it lightheartedly, we are your tradies, Lord. We are workmen. We are fellow workers in your kingdom to build your house, to build God's people, to bring blessing. And we give you the praise and the honor this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 
We hope you enjoyed listening to this weekly message audio podcast. If you'd like to listen to more messages and find out more information, check out our website at www.baysidechurch.com.au. Church has changed. Check it out.